Hello, and welcome to episode 124 of Relics of Ore. Uh, today, I can't do intros, but my name is Grybok, and I'm apparently hosting, so <laughs> that's a great start to the episode. Joining me today, uh, we have Evie. How's it going, Evie? I'm kind of awake, maybe? I don't know. I haven't had coffee yet, so I don't really know yet. That's fair. Um, and uh, for for our other people who are normally asleep at this time, we're also joined by uh, Spirit. How's it going? Uh, good morning, everyone. It's it's uh, morning fraught with the technical difficulties, um, but I'm optimistic, and I'm looking forward to beating Mumble to a bloody pulp for this episode. Mumble is a challenge to be conquered, and, you know, normally other more professional podcasts would probably just redo the intro after uh, a botch like that, but we're powering through it because we're adventurous morning people. Um, <laughs> At least we don't use Skype anymore. Yeah, well, that's fair. That's fair. Um, anyway, uh, we missed last week's episode due to some uh, personnel issues with being able to podcast so this is going to be sort of a double double feature but seeing as this is not a patch week it's time to move into the rotating cog no patch tuesdays give me something to kill already you know what they say a patchless tuesday amasses nothing to talk about and by rotating cog i mean doing both the patch week and this week at the same time so this is our first chance talking about entanglement um, have you guys both played it, I assume? Yes. I played it, like, in the two hours. Well, I played the story instances in the two hours after it was released. And I was blown away by the end <laughs> of it. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, we'll definitely get to that a little bit later. But, uh, yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to play it until this week. And I, I powered through it as well. And, uh... Yeah, it was it was quite good. I thought they did a really good job. Um, there's really kind of a lot of things to talk about, I guess. A lot of different topics, I guess, that are interesting and different in this patch. Um, so, I guess, I guess the first and most obvious one is that they expanded Dry Top, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, and it's interesting because like they keep expanding Dry Top. And a lot of people weren't expecting, like, a green area. Yeah. But they made that, like, sort of a transition area into what is really the new area. And what that does, in a way, is it forces everyone to see this. And I'm wondering why they did that. Because usually places like that are kind of, like, hidden and out hidden. of the way. Yeah. Off to the side. Yeah, I don't yeah. even actually have my tinfoil hat on for this one. I think they did it because it was dang pretty, and they just wanted everyone to go, Look, I made a pretty! It's like they put their artwork up on the fridge for everyone to see. <laughs> but the place with the lane line is pretty. Well, oh, that's yeah. true. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. It, um, I mean, it was obviously very intentional, at the very least. Um. But, I mean, part of that is sort of getting people familiar with how Maguma used to be as well. You know, there were these areas of harsh contrast. You know, it was it was a, a lush jungle area, and 
it was also had these big harsh sandy dry landscapes in it um you know sort of sort of rammed right up next to each other mm-hmm. um yeah but not the way that we're seeing it now which you know it's totally cool that they've changed here i mean it's the yeah. way it should be but the reason why it intrigues me is because in guild wars 1 the oasis type area especially one that looked very similar in like shape and the way it functioned was in the desert as a oh god why can't i remember the name of it now crystal desert in the crystal desert oh yeah yeah i know what you're talking about and i can't remember what it's called but it was one of the one of the mini towns that was in between the mission the mission towns basically Uh all right yeah what's that amnon oasis was that it yeah that's probably no, no Amnon Oasis was like this the city city ah, okay. of the Crystal Desert. It's the only thing I can remember with Oasis tagged onto it, so uh It's okay. Uh I have good enough internet that I can pull up Guild Wars while we're talking about it. Um so have you guys thought of any connection between possibly the lush area and Mordremoth, since he is the dragon jungly dragon? Is there any any thought there? There's... Or is it just there's, like, no vines in it or anything like that, so I doubt it. I think it's more of a play on, like, oh, the ley lines probably might cause green to happen. <laughs> uh, I thought of it less as, like, a, a, you know, an indication of what the dragon can do and more of a sort of a lore area for the, the centaurs in the area. Because these are the first friendly centaurs we've seen um, featured in Guild Wars 2 anyway and there's a lot of learning to do about old centaur culture and how um, there's a lot of references to Ventari's tribe and the old peaceful ways rather than the the harsh ways of the Harathi and all that stuff so I I interpreted it more as uh, a look into how the shamans of the the centaur tribes kind of are able to influence the land there was a lot of talk about actually this is maybe more relevant to the dragons in my opinion uh there was a lot of talk about these sort of ancestor trees and how centaurs would have this big tree in the middle of their village where they believe that the souls of their ancestors would go and they would have the tribe's leaders would be in charge of taking care of this tree, which sounds suspiciously like a certain centaur named Ventari and how he took care of the pale tree. And suspiciously like the dream and how there's this kind of collective of the souls of the ancestors. Does that make sense? Tinfoil hat, Silvari are dead centaurs. Oh! <laughs> Whoa! I never I saw that one coming. That... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> um Wow. Anyway, uh just <laughs> to get to rein it back in a little bit though, I guess. <laughs> uh do you guys expect us to see do you guys, what do you guys think about expanding the existing map? Um like do do you guys think we're gonna see more of that or is that just sort of a one off thing or is that sort of gonna be a continuing theme of this um 
you know, theme theme of this story arc, I guess you would call it. Um, I would not be surprised to see them before the end of season two with at least one more zone other than dry top, like full fledged zone. Okay. How about you, Spirit? You have any you have any thoughts on that? Um. Do you, Do you like this uncovering of? Uh, like sort of just slowly uncovering the zone, or I I'm still on the fence about that one. Um, mm-hmm. on one hand, very cool to have the the sort of drifted play. Like I really enjoyed, um, you know, coming through Scarlet's Lair. You know, you go around the corner and you see the canyon. Oh, the centaurs are here. Oh, I get to check out all this cool stuff. And then you, it, it was kind of a very directed experience where I got to see all of this cool stuff and I did enjoy that but then on the other side there's the side of me that really just enjoys like being thrown into a huge area and getting to decide where I want to go Uh, so I would say for some patches I would really enjoy. I really enjoyed this whole experience with Entanglement. Entanglement is now up there in one of my top favorite patches. So uh, kudos to ArenaNet for that. But um, I'm not sure if it would be how I want the story delivered to me every every week for, for, for forever on, you know? Like every time they introduce a zone. I'm not sure I want my hand to be held all the way through that zone. I kind of just want to be thrown in the middle of it and go... Okay, well now what? <laughs> yeah. Diversity um, is the spice of life. Yeah, absolutely. As a side note, I believe we were talking about Destiny's Gorge was the name of the outpost. Ah. I think. That sounds familiar. I just yeah, anyway. It looks it looks like what I'm thinking of. Anyway, um yeah, and that that sort of goes back to some of the discussions we've had about expansion versus a quote unquote expansion's worth of content from Living Story mm-hmm. is that one of the big things that a lot of people like in the expansion is a big content dump of things that you can explore in any order that you choose. And that is one of sort of the downsides of the Living Story approach is that it would not feel the same to me to explore say Alona for a, a favorite example, one zone at a time, one zone per month, rather than being given all the zones and being able to do it at whatever pace you want. On the plus side though, when they release like parts of a zone, yeah. they're kind of almost obligated to oversaturate that little piece of a zone with content. So that oh, when it sure. does come out, there's enough for people to do for two weeks and then a little bit beyond to kind of satiate them. Yeah, that's definitely true. And that's another point worth mentioning with Entanglement. And just this general arc is that it's been very dense in mm-hmm. terms of uh, stuff to do. Um, I just finished my first coin collector achievement the other day for the first zone, and then I realized there was one for the second zone, um, which is awesome. I actually love the coin collector achievement. Um, I don't know if you guys have really partaken in that. I actually did. I went. I found 28 in each spot by myself and then had to look up a guide because some of those coins are hidden devilishly. Uh, yeah. Very, very well hidden. It was good. I enjoyed yeah. it a lot. Yeah, and I mean, that definitely plays into the sort of the whole uh, movement and jumping aspect that 
you know, I think the Zephyrite, all the Zephyrite related patches definitely appeal to a certain type of player with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, on the con side, I know there's a lot of people that hate that stuff because they're bad at it, and which is totally mm-hmm. fine. But you know, and and they don't like it. Um, so, you know, I'm, sorry. I don't hate it, but I've gotten to the point where I'm just like. I want to be able to jump around and get places without relying on these skills. Yeah, that's that's a fair that's a fair point as well, um, especially with the timers. You yeah, know, like that. Uh... Anyway, um, so I guess we you guys want to talk about the the story instances then? That's I guess that's the other major like major aspect aside from you know small detail stuff. I think we're far enough away where it's like, well, spoilers are acceptable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's fair. Um, what'd you guys think about? What'd you guys think about? I guess the length of the story first. Good, bad, just right. Um, I'm not gonna lie. After that lore bomb at the end, I was like, okay, next minute. What? No, no. Yeah. <laughs> No. More. Yeah, ex- actually mine was exactly the same. I wish they had resu- or ended it uh after talking to the pale tree rather than uh so you know the story ends uh or the cut the magical wonderful beautiful cutscene ends and you're lying there and everyone's like, "Okay, now we need to go talk to the pale tree." And you're I, and Casimir's like, "Okay, I'll mail you when I'm ready to go." And I'm like, "Well, Judd Dragons don't wait for you, lady. We're just we we gotta go. We're just, I was not ready to stop there. And it, maybe if if the pale tree had like kind of given us a reason, like okay, we have to you know talk to all these, you know talk to someone else or whatever. We can't get a hold of them right now. You know, you just you have to wait for a little while instead of Casimir just being like, yeah, we'll wait. We'll get there when we get yeah, there. I, it I, felt really urgent was... at that point to get there and to end it there was not. Nice, I don't think. (laughs) I think it was a case of they implied something, but they didn't directly say it. Yeah. So it just kind of felt... What's the word I'm looking for? Unresolved. I want to say unfinished. Unsolved, yes. Yeah, that's that's fair. It did did feel a little bit. But uh, on the other hand, I have to say it is... It does speak well that everybody came away from it feeling like I need more now. Yes, I can't wait absolutely. for the next patch. Um, yeah, I, I know what you mean though about the the pacing. It was it was a little bit odd for that for that to be the the final note, I guess. It was also a little bit odd to me that nobody seemed to know the pale tree was an entity and like, but whatever. Um, maybe that's not as common knowledge as I feel like it should be. Um. What do yeah, you I mean, mean by you guys... well, when they because like, or at least I seem to remember they were like, "I need to talk to the pale tree," and they're like, "What? What do you mean talk to the tree?" And they're like, "Well, you, you know, you can talk to her. She's not just a tree." <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I remember that dialogue. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe for those of well, we've played Silvari characters, so we have that kind of knowledge of the pale tree. And any anyone who's been through has obviously you know traveled to the pale tree. I'm not sure how much NPCs would know about. The grove. I guess that's fair. I guess that's fair. And it's also kind of like a like a backhanded way of say like for players who haven't played Silvari or whatever haven't been there to. Oh yeah, Pale Tree is actually a person, not a uh, big ass tree. 
And speaking of like what NPCs know compared to like the player character. Oh, this. Like, how, how do people know Mordremoth's name? There was actually an official answer on this. I will find it for you. It was highly unsatisfactory. I'll just throw that out there right away. I have a link to it here. I'll find it. Something, 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 Scarlet, something off screen, something. Uh, the the dev says that uh, player characters have access to the pack's information and would have heard about all the dragons while preparing to combat Zaitan. That is the official explanation. Uh, Dermon Priory something something. Okay, that explains the par- ca- uh, player character, sure. But what about, like, random NPCs that are just like, Oh no, why did you And it's like, how the hell do you... Like, that's what bothered me. By the way, I would just like to point out that I have uh, some related pictures that we should be using for the bumper. I just posted them in our chat. You guys should look at that and then laugh. Um, <laughs> Except you didn't post it in the right chat. I didn't? Nope. Oh. See, I don't know how to mumble. That's. I didn't realize that's how that happened. Um, thank you. <laughs> anyway, uh so story what we we liked it we liked the length except we felt like we wanted more but that's kind of a good yeah. thing um i i felt it was reasonable um to yeah. complete in in two weeks which is kind of a i you know I've, I've been playing actually with my my friend who's rather new to the game uh we went through all of gates of maguma and entanglement because she's so busy that it, it's hard for her to get you know, more than one night to do it. And we were able to do it all in one night. And she goes, oh, I don't know how... I'm so glad this is permanent now because there's no way I could keep up with it if it wasn't. So that was actually a really good thing, too. I really enjoyed taking her through it and seeing all her reactions to it. Yeah. Yeah, it... Um, how, how did well, she I, take, like, embracing eternity? That's what I want to know. Embracing eternity? Uh, <laughs> the final cutscene, embrace eternity? Is that what it's actually called? No, it's a play on. It's just, it's just a Mass Effect play on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She <laughs> just checking. I didn't really have a chance to talk to her about it because, like, we finished that later in the night. She had to go right away. Um, but she did really enjoy uh, seeing her own character. That was a really big thing. She's like, "Oh, that's me! I'm flying! Oh no, I'm falling!" She's, yeah. <laughs> Though I guess it was a big thing for me too, actually, to see my own character in the story again. So, yeah, um, which which brings up something that I've seen talked about a little bit. Let's let's talk about that in a minute after we finish talking about our stuff. But that's the um, question of how this content would look or appeal to new players versus dedicated players. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's some interesting stuff to talk about there. But um, just in general, I liked. I guess I'm a little bit at loss for words. I, I, I liked that they put those vines in those other zones and mm. that type of stuff. And I guess that's on the one hand, that's like, that's exactly what living story does. So that's not really surprising, but I thought it was good to like, just get that out in the open right away and just sort of start amping up the stakes right away. Um, Which is something that, that was... they really kind of failed to do with uh, Zaitan. Because yes, uh, like one of the biggest flaws I I think with Zaitan 
is early on they don't really establish him as a big like this is the big bad you need to kill him like now you don't really deal with Zaitan until almost halfway through the personal story yeah yeah that's that's true um and and part of the you know that sort of also speaks somewhat to the the dynamic living story versus the static is that you know oh Zaitan bad except <laughs> all of it's just in two zones right and in the personal story it hits lion's arch but then you come out of the personal story and it's all gone right it's yeah. all you're back to just lion's arch um and that is something that the living story can accomplish that that a traditional story uh expansion pack or standard just can't really accomplish which is to have the story's permanence affecting the world sort of as the players experience it mm-hmm. um so anyway yeah that that was interesting and I I like I dig the whole um utilizing the ley lines and therefore utilizing the waypoints as a as a method of attacking Tyria all mm-hmm. at once. I thought that was a really cool um a really cool and interesting way of of getting that out there. So it's like this dragon can pop up anywhere and everywhere because you piggybacked off of this magical you know, network. Is he really piggybacking off of it, or is he just attacking it because it's a strong magic point? Well, it kind of seemed to me like because, like the fact that he had tendrils coming up all over the world, kind of all at once, seemed like he was sort of piggybacking off of it to um, me, but maybe not. Well, I, I don't know. To further that, I think I think it was in dialogue with Taimi at some point. I'm sorry. I read a lot of dialogue in the last couple of weeks. I don't know which one came from where anymore. But, uh, someone says that it's not just vines of Mordramoth, like it's Mordramoth himself spreading yeah, across right. Tyria. Yeah. Which is actually a huge deal. Yeah, definitely. that is one big dragon. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. On the uh, well, and from a this is sort of a stepping outside the box, going into sort of a metagame perspective. That also can give a good, um, sort of a legitimate explanation for how a group of heroes could actually kill this thing if it sort of takes that approach of like a centralized core and then it spreads out over the whole planet as opposed to like one giant dragon. Mm-hmm. If that you know what I mean, like if you're sort of envision because it's clearly not the size of the entire planet in terms of or the entire continent or whatever in terms of um I'm trying I'm trying to explain the proportions thing in my head but I'm sort of <laughs> imagining it like all these all these vines spreading out right but like the dragon isn't a dragon body that is the size of Tyria mm-hmm. it's like spreading out and so I could see how maybe they're going to build that into an encounter where you know obviously Zaitan is a giant dragon that's all all in one place. Um, and so, you know, we needed to use airships and stuff to fight it. Whereas with this setup of, like, literally Mordramoth is spreading himself out across the entire continent, you could, you could possibly make the argument that there is a sort of, like, a core that is the, the most important part that could be a little bit more bite-sized for players mm-hmm. to fight. 
mm-hmm. and still have a dragon that is giant and threatening the continent. Yeah, I think it speaks to their... Uh, they've said in the past what they want to do with all their dragons is they're dragons but not dragons, which is why Zaitan was this kind of like crazy amalgamation of like a bajillion dead dragons in the form of a giant dragon. I can see yeah. Mordramoth kind of being a mass of vines with the mouth rather than you know, a, a traditional a dragon. dragon shape dragon. Right. And right. And so from a player perspective, like maybe we fight the mouth or the core yeah. or whatever. And like Mordramoth is still around, but you're not dealing with something the size and dimensions of Zaitan all in one place. Or, you know, a mountain range as the right. Tar can yeah, use exactly. another dragon for. Right. Exactly. Um, Anyway, I just think that's sort of an interesting way to think about things and think about if that's a setup for a future encounter to yeah. come. Um, yeah, I like that. And 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 by piggybacking, I just mean I guess that since they're all most most of the waypoints are constructed on the ley lines, it's like presumably there's some path that his vines can follow, you know, that come up in important areas. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, interesting stuff. Although, well, no, I was I was thinking back to where how like you know in Guild Wars one, the the central central transfer chamber with um, it being like the hub of the of the surrogates and I don't remember I'm a, I'm a little bit behind on some of my lore I can't quite remember it anymore it's been a couple of years at this point built on top of Primordis. right um but i feel like i remember something early on in maybe in the guild wars 2 lore or something that they sort of tried to like de- decouple them from the dragons or or from i don't remember i don't remember i'm kind of babbling <laughs> uh i i have a direction to take us kind of maybe this will go into what it's like to player but um you mentioned that the living world has kind of a strength over the personal story and that when you do the instances, you see that the world has actually changed, right? So, like, you go into mm-hmm. in, into uh, Concordia, for example, and you're going to see these giant vines that have just torn apart the fort. Uh, conversely, I think one of the weaknesses of the per- the living story is, or maybe this is a weakness of the personal story. I don't know which it is. But one of the weaknesses of the storytelling is now that has changed. And as new players come in and like experience the personal story for the first time, they see this fort that's ripped to shreds by giant vines and have no idea what caused it. None of the NPCs are talking about it. And it's just kind of this weird disconnect um, in how the world has changed and how it has not changed at the, like, yeah, there's a disconnect there. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, yeah. I really Go wish ahead, they put, like, Oh, this happened two years ago before the personal story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and well, that's exactly the type of thing, you know, that I did want to talk about is, like, how... Obviously, we know all this history of things, but how new players mm-hmm. experience it, and, wh- like, whether or not that's something... Obviously, everybody cares, but whether or not that's something you should or shouldn't design around is, like, the new player versus the veteran, and a different points in the game's life cycle i think different players are more relevant than others in terms of who you're designing mm-hmm. for to some extent um and yeah it's i mean it's interesting i mean i'm sure there's lots of people that i know that haven't played in a while 
and they would probably be pretty confused by some of the things that are happening. But at the same time, uh, I I don't know how you can fix that and still make it interesting to us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think that's kind of a selling point of the game is that it, the world changes every two weeks in some way, and you know you kind of have to expect that that <laughs> things are going to change and they might be confusing if you didn't know how they were mm-hmm. before. Um, so I, I, I feel like that kind of goes with the territory, but it's, yeah, it's interesting. So do we want to talk about the big, the big spoiler at the end? Yeah. Yes. No, of, I do want to talk sure. about it. Yeah. Do you want to, I don't know how to start though. How about Evie goes? Because he, I feel like he has the most to say about it. <laughs> Embrace eternity. Uh, embrace yeah embrace eternity indeed so in this final uh, little story mission we get to omed's machine and timey and her wonderful quirkiness is just like i want to use it (laughs) yep and everyone's just like oh no and you like push her out of the way and you end up getting put in this machine yourself which I have other implications for that I want to talk about, but more on that later. And we see this cutscene of your PC floating through the vast expanse of something. Don't really know what it is. Is it space? Is it the mist? Is it the afterlife? Who knows? Life, the universe, and everything. Yes. I'm not buying that one. Anyways... We're, like, floating through, and then, like, an image of the pale tree comes out. We see an infinity coil. And then there's one big orb, which most people are assuming is Tyria, and they're probably right. And six orbs around it. And they all light up different colors and start spinning around until a, like, lightish green one sort of just crashes into it and... Everything kind of goes raw green, <laughs> and your screen goes yeah. hulkified, and then you're—that's the end of the game. <laughs> Evie, yeah, no, best, you're, you're totally best summarizer right. ever. Yeah, no, no it you're is. Totally it's, right. That's that's exactly. Yeah, it was funny that that is pretty much exactly what happened. Yeah. I think it's sort of funny that your character comes out of it and is like, I know exactly what all this symbolism means. I'm like, that's cute. I mean, I'm sure you do know that, but... See, I want to know how... And I, I understand Scarlet made modification. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, no. I want to know why we are not going insane. Maybe we are. Bum, bum, bum. We're not Silvari. I don't know. Yes, I am. Oh. <laughs> well, m- maybe we are then. I forgot that we can play Silvari just temporarily there. Don't mind me. We're not soundless. That's true. Well, neither was she at first. I thought she was. Was she? Oh, maybe. I could be completely wrong, though. I, th- I thought that the soundless was sort of like a separate thing and that people are sort of drawing connections as in the the um, the pale tree protects people and the soundless have given up the protection of the pale tree and so they're probably going to be corrupted 
I didn't think that she was a soundless necessarily, but um yeah, I mean, hand wavy scarlet made modifications, I guess. I mean, that's kind of not really like literarily satisfying, but at the same time, if you want to see this cutscene and have your character see it, that's I mean, there's really no other way to do it. They could have like made an Asuran hollow projector that just like everyone could see it then. Maybe oh well, maybe, but maybe you're not able to actually hollow project it. Maybe it's downloading too much information <laughs> into your brain. That was sort of the implication that I got was that you're not it's not just that you're seeing this, it's that your character basically got, you know, matrix memory dumped. You know, like I know Kung Fu. <laughs> um <laughs> No like, eternity. Yeah, I've embraced eternity. <laughs> like, like dragons, dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bill and Tyria's excellent adventures. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was sort of the impression I got because it seemed like your character knew a lot more than what the viewer, as in us knew necessarily like they were trying to explain it but couldn't put it into mm-hmm. words which uh, it's sort of it sort of lent to me the this idea that there it's it's sort of it's an experience it's like uh going through the gate in full metal alchemist like you see it but you don't understand it unless you've been there um and a- anyway so i mean maybe that's why you can't do the hollow projector it is possible also that um it's not so much that seeing it drove Scarlet mad as it exposed her mind to Mordremoth, and maybe now that Mordremoth has awakened, he doesn't give a crap anymore. I don't know. <laughs> Is that, oh, I already, I'm already awake. I don't need minions. Yeah, I don't need a pawn. Like, I'll, I'll just, I'll get everybody anyway. Because like, all he does is he gets his planisite babies to go into people, and he's just like, screw what you want. <laughs> I'm gonna do what I want. <laughs> I'm just imagining a big dragon like Z snap and go, I'm gonna do what I want. <laughs> that's exactly what I was imagining too, and I've never heard it called a Z snap, and that's it exactly is, though. what it is. Oh no, There's I, yeah, multiple I behind Z snapping. I'm curious though, like <laughs> back it, on please. topic a little bit, how, how did you guys interpret uh, the orbs and the orb crashing into the middle? Because I've heard a lot of different theories. And I'm curious what you guys thought. I'm I'm really surprised more people didn't jump to the conclusion I did. My first thought was it's the orbs of the dragons waking up, and the one that crashes into the middle is Zaitan's death. Wasn't that the green one that crashed in the there middle? Were, exactly. There were two greenish ones. Uh, there was the dark green one and the lightish green right, one. Right, which has led to some debate. The The one that crashes into the middle is the... Oh crap, now I have to look. I think it's the dark green one. It's the one that starts black and then turns green, which is like mm-hmm. the... what has led to some debate over it. See, and here's the thing with the debate, though. Like, for people to be like, oh, it's Mordramoth... It completely botches the order. What they order actually light up the orbs waking in up. the known order of the dragons waking up. So first is the fire, this primordus, then it's a light one that looks like ice, so that's our mag. 
Uh, I believe the next one is Bubbles. I'm actually going to watch the cutscene right now, so I make sure I get this right again. Uh, but I'm fairly sure that's the way... It, it lights up in order of what we know to be the Awakening timeline. I know Krokotark is the last one, and then... Or no, Krokotark is second to last, and then there's a green one that is last, which would be more Jamoth, and it, it plays out right. We don't know exactly when Bubbles woke up, but it... Whenever the blue one lights up, it, it's it would fit. logical within the timeline. I just want to point out that um, this really speaks to exactly what ArenaNet wants, which is for people to be analyzing this stuff and not having a clear yes, answer. Yes, I and love speculating. it. I miss it so um, much. I think they've done a fantastic like, job. Launch, with that. we'd be like, I think this is what Guardian's gonna do. Maybe the uh, hammer build's gonna be super good. And yeah, <laughs> I miss Guardians that. Guardians had initiative once. Just, just remember that. I don't think I knew that. <laughs> Originally, that was going to be their mechanic. Just, just imagine that for a moment. Guardians with initiative. I don't want to imagine that. Huh. <laughs> I wouldn't be playing a thief right now, I can tell you that much. Also, okay, I'm remembering this now as I watch the the official cinematic that they posted as the character has no hair. When you get out of the cutscene, uh, the like after all the heavy stuff, they kind of try and lighten it up by like, oh, magic was coming out of your ears. All your hair was standing on end. And somebody posts this absolutely hilarious screenshot of their bald character like scowling. <laughs> 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 like, Rub it in, why don't you? That was excellent. Okay, so it's fire first, bottom right, top right, or yeah, Jarmeg, bubbles, dark green, light green. I there's too many things, but it is the it is the right side one that starts black, that turns dark green, that crashes into the middle, and then uh like tenderly looking things it gets all darkness and green and it looks to me like an eye opening and then it's over mm. so make of that what you will uh, I've heard two popular theories on this the first one is that uh, the dark green orb is Zaitan it's Zaitan's magic going back into the world uh, which is my personal that's the, the camp that I'm supporting the other camp is that it's the it's more Jamoth awakening and that's his eye opening. Why can't it be like his magic going back into the world causes uh more Jamoth, or well not causes but influences more Jamoth awakening it's and, entirely and all that jazz. Exactly. We'd really like to see uh the that sort of detail explored more how Zaitan's magic going back into the world is a things uh, before we go and kill the other dragons. You know, something just some something just yes. sort of occurred to me, and I don't know if this has been explored, but the six dragons kind of have opposed concepts. So Zaitan is clearly death, and Mordremoth is kind of explosion of life in terms yes. of like plant life and jungle life and all that jazz. Uh, Bubbles is water, Mordremoth, or uh, Primordis is fire, um, or rather, sorry, sorry, I got that mixed up. Uh, fire and ice was the mm -hmm. was the pairing that came up in my head, which was Dromag and Primordis, and then 
desert, desert and water. Krakatorkin. Um, Kra- yeah, Krakatorkin bubbles. Um, yeah, I I noticed that a long time ago, yeah, actually. I've... But it's funny you mentioned yeah. that because you'd think that with the opposing things, they would like set up the orbs to be crossed from each other, but I don't think they are. I can check again. I haven't looked into that, but I was just thinking when you were talking about your theory of like, or your your point about like, um, Zaytan's Actually, death they are. Sort of okay, so uh, on the left side from top to bottom, it's Bubbles, uh, what I believe to be Morjamoth, and then Primordis. On the right side from top to bottom, it's Krakatoric. Uh, or no. The two green orbs are in the middle. I don't know which is which. That's the kind of speculation. But Bubbles and Krakatoric are at the top. Primordis and Jormager at the bottom, so they are actually set up in that in that orientation. Oh, across from each other that way rather than X. Yeah, you're right. Dun dun dun! Relics for <laughs> figuring stuff out. Uh, there was a point that I was going to before, but I can't remember what it was now. <laughs> oh, anyway, continuing with the, I would like them to explore the the effects of Zaitan's magic and back into the world a little bit more because they've set up this this story about how the dragons are a natural process, right? So uh, for sure. hundreds, or not hundreds of thousands, but like tens of thousands of years at least, the dragons awake, eat the magic, go back to sleep. The magic is slowly released back into the world and it's this sort of natural cycle and true to what we do in Guild Wars, we're coming in and punching it in the face uh, because that's what we know to do. So we run in and kill everything, and we're disrupting this cycle that's gone on for years and years. I've actually had a really interesting conversation with Hunter from Hunter's Insight yesterday uh, about how that could become a mechanism for affecting players going forward uh, as sort of an interesting explanation for why we get more skills or more weapon types is because more magic is coming back into the world and it's affecting the players, and as such, we're allowed to grow in certain ways that we weren't able to before. Legendaries for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they kind of have touched on it a little bit with the revamp to Quaddle. They said this is because of Zaitan's death and, you know, other things, blah, blah, blah. They were very vague mm-hmm. about it, but... Like, now we know that that's exactly what it is. Yeah, I would just, I don't know, maybe it's not even important, but I would really love to see that touched on. If killing one dragon uh, kind of blows up the magic in the world, Casimir's got portals coming out of her ears and, like, stuff is going on, what happens if we kill two or four or all six? What's going to... Magic is gonna be running rampant. What happens when it gets to one hundred percent? Exactly. Are we? Uh... Is it gonna rain magic? You're gonna get data kinesis and or time and or, sorry, that was a terrible movie. Or no, there's kidding. going uh. to be this giant mass of energy, and one of the NPC or Traherne's gonna be like, somebody has to run into it or to take over Tyria, and then boom, Traherne is the god. <laughs> Traherne's gonna become Melandru. Uh, Casimir's gonna become uh, Casimir's gonna become Lissa. Casimir, yeah, Jory's gonna become uh, Grenth. No, 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 uh, no. Cass Jory is gonna become Lissa because it's too. It's beautiful. 
Yeah, I was gonna say that, but then I realized that there's no other necromancers, and so as I'm just going to, I don't even think a tinfoil hat covers this anymore. I think I need a tinfoil like riot shield to protect myself from the uh, (laughs) the tinfoil happening here. Uh, Oh, what? No, Traherne. Traherne's a necromancer. He can. Yeah, there you go. Traherne becomes the necromancer. Uh, Bram becomes. No, uh... no, no, (laughs) no. So, Bran becomes Balthazar. Rox becomes uh, Melandre. Uh, ho- hold on, hold on. <laughs> Someone needs to have a baby, and that becomes the new Grinth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it would be absolutely wonderful if it was two Silvari, and it was the first Silvari child. I don't even. <laughs> I just need to tinfoil I need house. more than a riot shield. Just live in it from now on. Tinfoil skyscraper. That's what you need from me. I mean, the gods did kind of go away when the dragon started waking up. Not, not gonna lie. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. Just, there's so much tinfoil. <laughs> Oh, it's it's like an entire. The worst part would be if, like, three um, years from now, we'll be like, remember that one time we were joking around about like people becoming gods? Dang it, we were right. You know, you joke, but that kind of happened with. Uh, oh Lord, what's her name? That that lady I hate with no eyes. Cormier. Yeah, I know. Everybody hates Cormier. That's where this whole thing came from. The whole jumping yeah, into the light and coming thing. to God. Among the like lore community, I always joked that someday down the line, like this was during factions, we're gonna have a human become a god, and everyone laughed at me. <laughs> and then nightfall no happened. Laughing I was just now. Like, ha! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now no one's laughing. Um... Oh, uh, anyway, all right. I feel like we've is is there really more to talk about, or is it mostly just a uh, tinfoil? Uh, tinfoil. In city? terms of concrete stuff, they added two weapons that's during entanglement. The ley lines. Oh, I just oh, I just okay. meant about the eternal. I was alchemy. like down to business. Yeah. Well, I that that was my next that was my transition into if there's nothing else to say other than extreme speculation, then it's time to move on. I got another one. Nah. All right, no one has spoken. Peace will be forevermore held. Um, this ain't a marriage. Yeah, Ambrite weapons. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Spirit. You were you were starting yeah, to say okay, into so that. Okay, there are two weapons. That's the leyline weapons, which are uh, reminiscent of the Cavern of the Shining Lights, which is where the hub of the leylines is. You can access them dry top. Uh, they're essentially like porous rocks with blue light shining around them. There's some sound effects. And unique they're, sound Yeah, effects. they're very nice. Uh, I am out of my tokens because I bought a lot of Phoenix weapons. Uh, so I cannot purchase any of those. They're very nice and they're available for you to purchase for one Black Lion trading ticket. For now, I'm sure it will go in price in the future. How much? Like how much gold are they right now? I haven't looked. 
Oh, that's hardly anything. Well, like as far as as far as black line tickets go, like usually those weapons cost hundred minimum, uh, unless they're really unpopular. They tend to drop. They start out expensive, and like as time goes on, they'll drop to around fifty, and then slowly recover. Like after they, um, mm-hmm. go off. It depends. Uh, the more popular ones are like, like well, the Phoenix at weapons. least the more popular sure. weapons. Like none of them ever went below seventy. I would know because I yeah, spent I a small fortune getting them. Well, no, actually, they must have because I have two that I'm hoarding to sell, and uh, they haven't recovered to seventy yet. So at some point, really? they did drop low. Which ones do you have, though? Oh my god. Uh, but anyway. Sorry, did I distract no, I everybody? No, I lost my train of thought because it's the morning and I am not a morning person, so I will sing to you and wave my arms. Uh, not that anyone can appreciate that but me. So, uh, Amberite weapons oh are these... Jesus, this cat is, like, getting <laughs> immune to water. It Like, I literally just sprayed it, like, seven times before he's hopped down off of something. Now he's gonna hop over my lap with sad eyes. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Anyway, Ambrite weapons. They're cool. Bugs I like in them. Amber. Uh, they are Duh. a permanent weapon set added to exclusively dry top. The way to acquire them is to spend all of your money on Zephyrite lockpicks. No, actually, they, they come from geodes. So you need Zephyrite uh, lockpicks from playing the storyline, but also... Acquiring geodes by doing events in dry top and then trading them to a vendor whose prices in terms of geodes drop depending on how high a tier your instance of dry top has Matches. achieved. So I believe tier 4 is 180 geodes for 10 lockpicks, tier 3 is 210, and... Tier 5 is 140, but I haven't actually gotten into a Tier 5 map because I'm a slacker. Pro tip for all the peoples. People are ferrying or taxiing, whichever term you Mm -hmm. prefer, from the LFG into Tier 5 maps. Yes, and I need to do that soon because it Mm. makes a lot more sense to spend your lockpicks in a high tier map because there's a significant discount. Um... Once you have those, you can open the buried locked chests uh, between 40 minutes after the hour and the hour. That happens uh, for 20 minutes every time, every hour. And uh, the the buried locked chests are in random locations during the sandstorm, so you can't just run a, a path. You have to run around and kind of look for them. Hold your con- like set a book on your control key because. The, my poor control he has just been abused in the time that I've been looking for these. Uh, anyway. And don't get stomped yeah, by Yeah, don't get stomped by the giant. He will appear out of the sandstorm and throw rocks at you and ruin your day. <laughs> Interesting. No, I, I find this really funny. <laughs> That's exactly how <laughs> giants should be described. I find it really funny, though, that if you run past him, and I've done this a couple times, because like, I'm not always like looking for him in the sandstorm, and he can sneak up on you, because it is really hard to see. Uh, he will walk up to me, throw a rock at me, down me, and then leave. So he, he's really just there to ruin my day. He won't finish me. He, he won't stomp and like, nope, he'll just throw a rock and leave. 
which I find really amusing. Uh, but anyway, so you're opening these chests, and you have a rare chance at getting an unidentified fossilized insect. And it seems to be quite rare. Uh, a lot of people have one or two. I have spent 122 lockpicks and not seen a single one. Yeah. RNG. But uh, once you do get that, you get to turn it into a trader who will allow you to pick which uh, fossil you want. So like a, a scorpion or a devourer or whatever. And each of those corresponds to a different weapon. And then you also have to buy a recipe from the the geode merchants and then you can craft them so it's quite a a journey to getting them if you will it's kind of convoluted compared to other weapons where it's like run a dungeon a bunch of times turn in your tokens weapons uh yeah i'm i'm not explaining yeah. about that i actually kind of like it uh outside of the rng aspect I'm yeah, well, I'm just gonna I would, say outside of the RNG aspect. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty if big aspect. If it were aspect. up to me, I would allow them to drop me from the chest, but I would also uh, maybe more frequently drop pieces, kind of similar to how the the ticket scraps work. And you can get a certain number of pieces and build one or something. Yeah. So that I don't have to spend 150 lockpicks to get it, because. <laughs> At this point, has become a significant time investment that I did not expect to spend getting these weapons. So that's my two cents. Yeah, I, I feel like that's a constant sort of struggle for them between people saying like there's not enough, there's not enough to do, or there's not enough things that are hard to get, but at the same time, like making something feel like you're just wasting time mm -hmm. to get it isn't really satisfying either. Um. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a challenge. Uh, I I know that I'm not gonna bother. I'm <laughs> I'm I don't know. I'm bitter. I'm t I'm tired of I'm tired of wasting time on RNG and crap like that in this game. So I just as cool as they are, it's just not gonna happen. Crybuck and I are um, like the bitter old men <laughs> on our porches. Get off our lawn, um, RNG. I mean, so, so you remember remember the guy that I you know sent a few exotics to to craft that or to yes. mystic forge that precursor he's gotten more he got two of the uh um either taquaddle or worm i don't remember ascended uh double click things like one one each back to back like just two like one night and then the next just got like it's just like oh my I, i'm telling you people's oh, no that's accounts. not true well, I know. it's, it's not awful. True, it's just, we all know it's what so my RNG is like, and I'm sorry to say that I have also gotten to Quattle's hordes in the last three days. Um, yeah. Well, good for you. You deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just I'm I'm over it. Anyway, um, speaking of other complaints, I'm just gonna turn this into a grousing section. Um. I got a little bit irritated a few times with the waypoints in the new zone because there were like I died right before getting to the to the like last waypoint like two Did different times because the there was hardly bridge? anybody in my instance. I'm like, <laughs> yes, uh, I was running with Gildy yes, today, and 
uh, one of them had been through before, and the other one hadn't been. Hiking back was and was maddening. We were going, oh, you know, I, the first time I ran over this bridge, I fell. It's like a rite of passage. And the one who hadn't goes, what? And then he slides off the bridge and face plants into the ground. Luckily, we were there to res him. But I, yeah, I didn't oh no, it definitely happen. happens. Yeah, if you on the right side, there's a spot that yes, looks like you no, should be able to go up it, and you cannot, <laughs> and then you will die. Um, yeah, well, running back there from the first place felt yeah. like kind of obnoxiously long, but I mean, it's not that it's not that big of a deal. But um, I was I I couldn't believe that there wasn't a waypoint yeah, a little bit closer to the uh, end story my... instance. Also, I don't know. Anyway. It's like it's very short distance in mm-hmm. terms of like horizontally on the map, but in terms of actual traversing, it's kind of uh, my my whatever. slight minor, tinfoil hat complaint. is that uh, um, they planned the waypoints in the zone for it to be like an entire zone, and so if they expand it more, we'll see a waypoint over there. It's just not in this part of the zone because it's like slightly south of it or something. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Um. Yeah. Anyway, well, uh, yeah. Talked about the newbie perspective. Talked about the ending stuff. Um. Do we want to do a real quick talk about the teaser video for Dragon's Reach? Oh, okay. Can Can we just get real for a moment and be like? Ain't it just dropped a spoiler on us in a teaser? Maybe it's going to happen right away. It's still a spoiler. And that kind of infuriates me. Because I would much rather have seen that in-game. Why don't you, why don't you go into that? Uh, or, do, or do we not want to spoil it? Oh my god, it makes me so mad. <laughs> So, in this teaser spoiler, basically nothing interesting happens, and then all of a sudden, Mr. Charbro slams his fiery dragon sword of lore-breaking goodness into the ground, and is like, Ashkelon, I free you, or something, whatever, I I don't even know the exact words. I free you of your curse. Okay. First of all, that has huge implications to just the world in general. Like, how are they going to handle that? And is that like... It, 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 I, uh, he's in Duke Baradin's crypt. So is it that right. he's like forcing Baradin to do this? Did he like make uh like agreement with Baradin? Is Baradin not involved at all? He just happens to be, like, in that place? Mm. So what you're saying is that it wet your appetite, and you're really curious to know how they explain it. But it's a huge lore bomb that should not be <laughs> so he's in going to go about it angry. Gosh, I'm so I curious, know. I'm angry too! Oh my god, there's a cat. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, it was interesting. I, it was interesting to put that in uh, in a teaser. Especially, be- well, 
Yeah, I feel like people that are really in the know about Guild Wars are kind of head-scratching because of the aforementioned uh, lore. Either issues or complexities, at the very least. And the people who don't follow Guild Wars 2 lore all that Just like, closely are... Deal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Um, it doesn't really bother me, but it's it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I see. I mean, my prediction is that, you know... We're going to get more vine tentacles spreading to all the major areas, and people are going to stubbornly ignore it for some stupid reason, um, at least for the next patch, and then we'll see. All I have to say is, if that little bit with Ritlock is in the last story mission, there will be nothing that can contain my fury. Yeah, that's pretty bad. If it's the like end of the, it's like when they show the end of the movie in the credits or in the previews, rather. Uh, <laughs> Ender's game. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. It, we'll 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 see. We'll see how that turns out. Uh, oh, as a as a side note, that reminded me. I did want to say uh, kudos to the writing team for finally having characters acknowledge that your character actually does things and is important as and is kind of the ringleader of Destiny's Orphans or the Biconics or whatever. Um, uh, did you guys catch yes. that? I also I really caught uh, when you're in the Concordia instance and you meet the the person who talks about the Royal Locket, she's mm-hmm. like, well, I shouldn't be telling you, but I mean, you're you. You're like, you're awesome. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like it is classified, but you're pretty awesome, so Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I like my that. character like I think this is a Norn thing and so like very few people play Norn. Clearly you're so not I, relics I, of I'm not surprised that this hasn't been <laughs> But to the Norn she's like Norn usually don't care about politics, so whatever. Really? I didn't catch and that. I found That's that nice. nice. Yeah. yeah, I like that too. I'm also wondering if maybe my thing that I was talking about earlier about them being confused about the Pale Three and whatever, if there was a little bit more of that because I was a Silvari, like so that my character could explain it a little bit more. I don't know. I don't know what you guys With saw. With the Norn, the whole like um, Silvari Pale Tree situation was just like, yeah, we should go talk to her. That's pretty yeah, much maybe the reason we didn't catch it is because I I've played oh. it now twice on a human, so yeah, it's entirely possible I didn't catch that either because I was playing on humans. Yeah, I feel like there was some dialogue in there that were like where I want to say Casimir or something said like, well, how do we talk to it or whatever? And you're like the you know the pale tree is you know could. Like we we speak to the pale tree, you like you can speak to her. She is a like not didn't say person exactly, but mm-hmm. anyway, sort of explained that a little bit. Which, which so makes maybe sense that is only a Silvari thing. Character, no, like no matter what their race is, because of the way the personal story is. Did did your not did your I characters also say that? Not word for word, but pretty much the same. But similar. Okay. All right. Yeah. Anyway, um, but back on topic, um, I just I just wanted to say that I really appreciated that because that's been a, a persistent um, complaint of a lot of people is that it feels like we're doing all the work and not getting any recognition, and it felt like the characters mm-hmm. actually acknowledged that you know we're kind of a big deal. Uh, 
So that was great. I was I was really happy about that. Um. Anyway, yeah, they gave us a teaser. Uh, I guess we'll find out on Tuesday how angry Evie's going to be. <laughs> so, um, I think since this recording's getting really long, let's just wrap it up and go into our mailbox. Just real one quick. thing, and 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 <laughs> this is kind of tinfoil hatty. If I have to do anything with an urn of ashes, I will be furious. You can't. It's in but my I love selling window. Althea's ashes to people. I still have a bunch of them. <laughs> I, I still have like a stack of Althea's ashes in Guild Wars 1. Anyway. Okay. Uh, Yay, to the mailbox. Mail this week. Spirit, you want to read that? Us. I really enjoy getting mail from all of you. It's fun. Now, like That came up in Sincere, but I do really enjoy reading everything you guys send us, so please send us more. Uh... And this week it says, Hi Relics of War, I just want to say I love listening to your show. I used to listen back before Guild Wars 2 was released, and I just got back into the game a few weeks ago after a long hiatus, and I'm trying to get back into the swing of things. My friends and I are trying to get into dungeons, but there seems to be tricks and gimmicks to every path that you wouldn't normally find in other games' dungeons. Any tips or tricks on running dungeons? Where do we want to start with this? Scythe, I think. And that was from... I like Scythe. Scythe? Scythe? Yes. Me? Scythe. Whatever. Uh, yeah, so this is sort of a, a pro tips slash mailbox combination. Um, the... the uh, yeah, I would say the, the biggest thing... There, there's a couple things, but the biggest thing I would say is actually to just at, tell people that you're that you're coming back to the game after a long time and you're a little bit rusty, and I've found that most people will help explain the path to you it's much people vastly prefer you telling them that you're new and so that they can or or returning so that they can explain what's about to happen than have you just screw it up and frustrate everybody for five or ten minutes then they don't want any new players (laughs) i can speak to to yeah okay Uh, so yeah i I play on a european account every once in a while and i find that uh, converse to North American pug groups, it is really hard to get a European pug group if you're under 80 or under 5,000 achievement points. Like, really hard. And if you do, it, in my experience at least, after 7 or 8 tries, falls apart almost instantly. So, yeah, that's something to be wary of. If the the pug culture is very different between huh. the two regions in terms of dungeons at least okay um but yeah so i guess just a few things that bear mentioning are that the your your best defense is always going to be dodging because it is a 100% damage reduction and by reduction i mean you just don't take damage um and or just standing outside of the red circles so um, with the with the way that auto attacks work in this game, if you have a ranged weapon, uh, it's a lot easier to to at least survive in boss fights because at least if you're not doing stacking tricks, because you like you can pay attention more to your feet and what's not, you know, what is or isn't trying to explode you, and just sort of auto attack the boss at the very least. Um, but you know that's not very fun. But you'll at least you'll yeah, at least figure things out. Speaking of staying alive, you know. While it is true that Berserkers do the most DPS in the game by a long shot, if you're dead, you're not going to be doing anything. 
So until you get the gist of things, you might want to possibly have some knight's gear to give you a little bit of buffer room mm-hmm. until you get to the point where you don't have to rely on the toughness and health and whatever to actually survive an encounter. And it'll totally yeah. be fine. Nobody's going to complain at you for the most part. Like, just just, just don't just go wear in it. wearing like it's... clerics or wayfarers. That well, but even if you do, if you don't tell anybody about it, like they're not going to sink. Like I that. do. <laughs> if you don't tell me, and we're yeah. like going in and for a farming run, and it's very obvious you're wearing clerics here, I'm just like you are mooching. Yeah, I would say yeah to that effect. Uh, make sure you read the descriptions because nothing makes other players angrier than like showing up for the wrong path just because you joined. <laughs> I feel like that's a common courtesy thing, though, not like a tips or tricks thing. Just don't be a jerk and, like, be cooperative with the party. Yeah. Also, it's worth mentioning that I'll, I feel like at least a fair number of these paths, there's probably mm-hmm. YouTube videos of, like, the strategies or whatever. Um, there's a fair amount of guides out there on specific paths. Um, and if if all else fails, you can try and find a guild group or something that can explain the the standard tactics. Um, but if you see people all as a general rule of thumb, if you see everybody standing on like one square, just stand yeah. there with them <laughs> because that's called stacking. And the reason for that is that basically it concentrates all of your DPS and all of your buffs, and it concentrates everything into one area and um it's just a, it's the most effective way to do damage most of the time especially if you can get the boss to sit in a corner so that you don't so they can't run away they don't move and you just wail on them and just sort of all buff each With other multiple and fire or great swords just <laughs> well yeah that that too but just, but just in general stacking stacking works because it concentrates all of your damage into one area and all of your buffs so it's much easier to get everybody with 25 stacks of might and things like that. Uh, get all your fields to blow up off of each other. All those, all those good things. Um, and it makes it really easy to res because if one of you dies, four of you press F and in, like revive the person instantaneously. Um, so it's 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 not a tactic that I particularly like because I think it's sort of um, and like not to mean this in a super insulting way, but I feel like it's kind of degenerate gameplay. And but like that's how the game is designed. It's like, highly it's, effective. It's, I uh, yeah. I don't blame I don't blame players for doing it. I think it is mm-hmm. more of a problem with the like combat and balance and such. Um, and it's just it's gonna happen. Like, it is the most effective way to kill a lot of things, and so it's going to happen. So anyway, that's what it is. Um, you don't need to do it by any means, but if people are doing it, you should be with them. Um. Also, line of sighting. So, just in general, like things that have a projectile of some sort have to actually be able to not collide with objects. And so, a lot of the time, you will pull aggro on a boss, usually stacking slightly around a corner or something so that they can't attack you until they come up and melee you, thus, sort of reinforcing that stacking mentality. Um, so,. Just keep that in mind. Like if you can if you can block off line of sight, that gives you a breather room to not get pelted um, by a lot of bosses. And speaking so. of projectiles, if you are 
playing one of the professions that has projectile reflex, abuse them. Don't uh, just use them, abuse them. Which is namely Guardian. Mostly Guardian, and also there's uh, Mesmer Trait. Yep. And those are the most well. reliable ones, anyway. And feedback. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So mostly Guardians and, and Mesmers are who we're talking about here. Um, but other classes can do that in some ways. Uh, yeah, yeah. Also in our in our uh, notes, um, you should look up how defiant and unshakable work, um, because they're very important mechanics. And the the core concept of it is they provide strong immunities to bosses against certain types of crowd control, and. Defiant has a number of stacks that are equal to the number of players in the area for the most part, plus or minus something, I think. Um, and they are immune to CC, or, well, not all CC, but they're immune to like stuns and knockdowns and knockbacks. While they have Defiant. Um, while they have Defiant. And every time that you would have applied that, it lowers the number of stacks that they have. Mm-hmm. And when they run out of Defiant, they are vulnerable for one attack. And so certain bosses, it is very important to get them down to no Defiant stacks and then hit them with a good CC. This is something that's very noob-unfriendly, is like a you know a, a half-second or a one-second fear is not nearly as good as a big knockdown or a Guardian Banish, um, because those are much bigger CCs, but both of them will still put Defiant stacks back on if you actually manage to get it off. Um, so in general, probably don't be hitting them with CC while they don't have Defiant. Leave that for somebody that's more experienced until you learn what's going on. Um, just as a general rule of thumb, probably for new players. And speaking of CC, um, a lot of times you're going to have some. You're going to want some kind of way to break yourself out of CC, particularly stun break mm-hmm. or and condition removal. Mm-hmm. And stun breaks will have on the tooltip, so if you mouse over the skill, it will actually say mm-hmm. it will actually have an icon that says exactly. stun break. That's like a breaking chain, um, and that means that you can activate it instantly, even while you're stunned, and you will cease to be stunned in addition to whatever else the the skill says. Um, so that's worth knowing. <laughs> and another point um, of skills is like when you're out of combat, you can change your skills. Pretty much as long as they're not on cooldown. Same thing with traits. And you should definitely take advantage of that while you're in a dungeon between like different boss fights and whatnot. Although I do feel like that's a little bit more advanced because it sort of presupposes that you know what's coming. Absolutely. Um, to do effectively. But yeah, once once you sort of know the path, then you can start doing things that make it easier. Like a classic examples on um, Citadel Flame path you know, path one, the super easy one. Um, I I will switch skills out if I am going to do the mm-hmm. um, the fight to open the gate. Uh, I'll I'll just use slightly different skills for that, or throw in a reflect when I know that there's going to be a a key reflect area, and then take it out when I know yeah. that there's. I guess not my, going my thought to is to um, things like that rather than um, just like knowing and optimizing. If you hit a wall. Like, if you can't get past a boss for some reason, just try and mess with your traits and skills and see if there's something that might be better. Don't just keep throwing your head against it with the same comp and, mm-hmm. you know, try to adapt to the fight. 
And same with weapons, too. Yep. Like, sometimes some fights just really you need a ranged weapon, for example. Just period. Unless you're a thief. And if you same thing. If you can't as a thief, then you just need to be another profession. Or get a short bow. <laughs> no, you just need to be another profession. Anyway. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, I'm, I'm just going to wrap our tips up there then. There's, we could probably talk forever on it, but I think those are some good basic tips and a few more slightly advanced tips. And in general, um, as much as I hate to say it, Google it. There's probably guides out there. There's a lot of people that have written up and recorded good videos and guides on all that sorts of stuff. Um, but again, I would say first and foremost, speak up. Like it's, people will appreciate your honesty Mm -hmm. more often than they will just kick you from the group immediately. I feel like. And yeah. Um, and if they do kick you from anyway, the group, that's uh, not the group you want to be with, anyways, because they're obviously like douche canoes. So right. yeah, they're they're kind of douches. Um, so anyway, uh, let's let's just uh, wrap it up here with Cascast Spirit. Do your thing. Hello and welcome to Castcast, the podcast within the podcast about the cast of other podcasts and the style of cast of other podcasts. This week on Castcast, I have a video that I didn't put text in for, so I'm a genius. Uh, oh, yes, it's a very nice uh, Impressions of Tyria time-lapse video by Quek, Q-U-E-C-C. There's, there'll be a link to that in the show notes. It's just kind of a nice... Uh... Yeah, it's like those... Like those uh, videos you see of like cities where like they leave their camera out for a long time it's like oh yeah it's nice i like it so i linked it and evie you had one too didn't you yeah i found this wonderful artist named shalane while browsing twitch it was just it was random because i like went to twitch and i was just like oh let's see if there's anything with guild wars 2 and then i saw like photoshop and i was just like what i click on her and apparently she streams every monday and takes requests and does like character portraits and stuff. There is a post on the forums that she has done and it has like a bunch of the requests that she has taken just kind of uploaded so people can see them. And everyone should go see her and be like, hey, here's my character. Draw something, please. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and I think that's it. I think we're going to wrap it up because this has turned into a long episode and there was even stuff that I sort of skipped that I wanted to talk about. So uh, maybe we'll just slot it into next week or whatever. So um, as usual, thanks for listening to us. Uh, I don't think we really need to... Uh... Oh, go ahead. If you can find us on Twitter... At Relics of We have a bumper for that. We do? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Now you know. (laughs) Sorry, Ryan. Just delete what I just said Anyway, thanks for listening, and uh, you can tune in next week. That was another episode of Relics of War. If you'd like to get involved, you can find us on any social networking site such as Facebook, Twitter, Steam, and many more just by looking up Relics of War. That's Relics of O-R-R. Similarly, if you'd like to send us mail, you can send that to relicsoror at gmail.com or go to our website, relicsoror.com, where you can record right there on the front page using our WordPress widget to put on a headset and give us your feedback. Or if you feel more comfortable with it, you can go ahead and just record the audio and send it to us as an OGG or an MP3 file. If you'd like to join us in-game, 
Send a whisper to Cole, C-O-E-H-L, and Nexi, A-N-E-K-S-I, C-Squirrel Run, that's a C, and then Squirrel, and then Run, or Spirit Face to get in contact with us or join the guild. Last, we always love the comments, so if you want to go to our main site and start commenting on some of the posts that we've got or join our forums, you can have fun with that. If you listen to us on iTunes, you can find our page on the market and just leave a comment or a rating that you feel that we deserve. We appreciate that. We'll read them on the show. 